When you drive the most dependable mass market brand, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the number one most dependable mass market brand three years in a row by J.D. Power. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-334-KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among mass market brands in the J.D. Power 2021 to 2023 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Studies. 2023 study based on 2020 models. See jdpower.com slash awards for 2023 details. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst, Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey, everybody. This is Eric alongside Rod. We're here to discuss another summertime discussion on Moneyball, and uh, I attended it earlier last week. And so we just want to go over so how Michigan State's players are looking uh, and then the, uh, I guess, evaluation of what Moneyball really means. We'll kind of get into that a little bit. But before we begin, I wanted to mention and thank a couple new supporters of the show. Robert Barmack, who gave us a one, very generous one-time payment via PayPal. Wow. Thank you so much. Wow. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you might know him. <laughs> uh, and no, then, that, thanks, uh, Robert Bob. McCart- Appreciate it. Yeah, and then uh, Robert McCartney, who uh, joined us as a patron at the Skiles, Scott Skiles level, uh, thank you so much for your support. And for all of you who support the show, it is, makes a tremendous difference in producing the show, being able to do this extra content, actually going to grow the show. And not only do your, does your financial support help us with that, but also the fact that you guys leave reviews on, on your podcast player uh, and share the show with your friends, that also grows the show a ton and makes it a big difference in growing our Spartan community. I would like to remind you that there are... A, you know, availability for more gift cards from Nudge Printing if you are interested in leaving a review on your podcast player, a written review. So if you leave one, take a screenshot, and then send it along to me at eric at tffinots.com, and then I can get you your $5 gift card to Nudge Printing, which you can also then convert into a larger order for Nudge Printing with a 20% discount by typing Final Four into the coupon code at checkout. All right, so I went to Moneyball with my son this this summer. Uh, it was the only opportunity I had because it's Tuesday, Thursday, and just the way my schedule is, and you know it's summer. And so, uh, I guess it was really cool because I we were sitting down there for the first game, and I thought I turned to my son. I said, "I think that's Travis Trice," and he's you know it's funny because what Travis Trice was what 2015 was the, that was what seven years ago, and my son is not quite 17, and so he kind of vaguely remembered Travis Trice, and he looks different now. You know, he's got longer hair and stuff, and. And he looks older. <laughs> and and so he doesn't really remember him that great. And it's funny because to me, it doesn't seem like it was that no. long ago that Travis yeah, exactly. was playing. I mean, it's Tim Bagrakis. I don't expect him to. I know Tim Bagrakis, but Travis Trice, you're like, oh. And I would say um, what was was really cool, and this is probably just the Moneyball experience, is that lots of little kids are you know running around on the court between games and playing and stuff. And there's this one little kid. He could have been more than five. And he was dribbling two balls at the same time, and he'd go up and and he'd shoot and you know swish. Now he's tiny, and he's he's not shooting from more than like you know six feet away, but he's like hitting six foot shots, five foot shots, and dribbling pretty well for a kid who's well dribbling great for a kid his age. And I thought, man, I wonder if he's related to one of those players. And then I, I then I saw later reported that that was Travis Trice's son. There you go. 
which I didn't surprise I me. Mean, he's he's a pretty good little ball handler and good shooter. So, uh, so I think you know the the first thing I'd say about the the, the money ball with Travis Trice, he played on um, he played on a team that did, was supposed to have Tra- um, Xavier Booker. Xavier Booker was not there, so he was the one player in money ball for Michigan State who was not present on the time spent uh, time we watched. So we can't comment on how he's looking, uh, at least personally. Uh, Travis Trice looked really great. I mean, he just the first three or four possessions, he just pulled up for threes and hit them, and you know, it was he looked like a pro out there? Go figure. And uh, it, the only thing my son said is he did remember the fact that Travis, when he used to shoot threes, shot I don't know what you call it, but was it a knuckleball or like a ball with almost no rotation? Mm-hmm. You know, when he would shoot those threes, and now it looks like a regular three point. It looks like a regular shot with the spin on the ball and stuff. Uh, so. I know we wanted to talk about Travis briefly before we go into the rest of the players. Yeah, I mean, I know he, he. My understanding was he played well, and he was going, he was going up against AJ Hogard, right? Yeah, so that was a really good test, I would imagine, for AJ. And um, and so yeah, so I guess we'll I'll talk about briefly players who've been there before. So I think you know there's I saw like I said everyone played but Xavier Booker, AJ Hogard was there, um, uh, and then. Uh, Jaden Akins and the other one would be Walker. Those are the players I thought were sort of separate from the rest of the team that was playing in the sense that they looked, I don't say disinterested, but they like playing really hard. I guess it's the, especially AJ and, um, and Akins. They just kind of seemed like they were just present and occasionally they would do some things. And so I... I don't know. I guess I don't go to a lot of AAU games. Like I could say, I'd never go to them. And so maybe the level of defense is is even less than an AAU game. Yeah, I would I would say it's less than an <laughs> AAU. Yeah. So it was it was kind of not very interesting in some respects. It wasn't a regular game. Uh, I'll I'll frame it this way, and then you can respond. the The problem in AAU, I would say, often is not willingness. It's um, two things. It's one, that these teams don't practice with each other ever. So there's really no such thing as team defensive concepts. Like you don't, you know, right. help rules, th- those types of things, you know, keeping, keeping gap coverage uh, in line, all of that stuff. It doesn't happen. Um, so that's one of the reasons why there are defensive problems occasionally in AAU. And then also you're talking about younger players in many instances where it just hasn't been emphasized yet for them in their up to that point in their careers. At the first time, they're really going to get somebody actually digging into them to teach how to play defense is going to be when they hit college. Because it, it stands to reason for most anybody who's ever played, you just mentioned watching a five-year-old What's the five-year-old doing? The five-year-old is not doing defensive drills where they're trying to stay in front of their man. They're shooting, right? And so most everybody grows up with offense being the first thing that you care about, the first thing that comes, and the first thing that you want to do. And so those are the reasons why it doesn't show up in AAU. I get the sense, and you can tell us if this corresponds with what you saw, that in Moneyball, at least from the MSU players, sometimes it's as simple as I don't want to get hurt. <laughs> so, yeah, right. 
So they just, and, <laughs> and there's right. just not, but, but I want to, I want to say this and it applies to everybody you're going to talk about. You have to remember when those guys show up Moneyball, they haven't been lounging around all day before that. Right. They've right. gone through, they may have practiced already. They probably have. They've also in many instances gone through weight training sessions that day, et cetera. So they've already had a full day under their belts by the time they get to Moneyball, that has something to do with it too, in terms of effort level. And then the other thing is the guys you're talking about, you just mentioned the three starting guards. Um, these guys don't have anything to prove. Yeah. And I would say, and, and that was the difference. It was a striking difference watching Jane Aikens last season. Well, season last Moneyball last year versus this year. Yeah. Last year, he was definitely uh, trying to exert himself. I mean, trying to show sort of what his new skill set is, probably working on all the things. And and he just, from an athletic standpoint, he was head and shoulders above everyone else right. on the floor. And it looked like it. Like he was, he would go and attack the, the rim and he would do, he would shoot a lot more. He was just much more passive in this game. And to your point, maybe he's just avoiding injury. Maybe he was tired and just didn't really care. Uh, I mean, he played and he made some plays occasionally, even on defense. But for the most part, he was just kind of present. Right. And I, I don't think he probably felt like he had, you know, again, much to prove. And so, and so he would occasionally shoot. Um, and he looked good. He, I mean, he looked like Jaden last year. So I would say that he didn't look any different. From a physical standpoint, he looked pretty much the same. He moved great. I mean, so that's encouraging. He didn't look like he had any sort of limitations. Not that he looked like that at the end of last season, but nothing seems to have yeah. changed from uh, from the end of last season. Uh, and, I, you know, it's funny in these games, I I think the the way they work it is that the players, well, they, there's no coach, right? So I think the players decide when they go. They used and, to have coaches. Uh, come out they don't, they don't have coaches anymore? I don't think so. Because I, I, mean, I know a guy who used to coach. I know, I know a guy, oh, yeah. yeah, I know a guy, this goes back a while, but I know a guy who coached Matt McQuaid's team heading into his freshman year. Um, and I got an early, early tip as to the confidence that Matt McQuaid played with. Some might call it cockiness <laughs> at that point, but, um, yeah, they used to have coaches, but I say, I mean, in name only. So. I, I guess it makes sense that they've dispensed with that charade. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I, as far as I could tell, it looked like the players just substituted right. themselves off and on the court. And then pretty much the Michigan State players kind of decide when they want to come off. I think that, I mean, I think, look, it's mainly a Michigan State-run uh, league and that you have a bunch of other players. And so it's a way for the players to get some experience and to, um, you know, show off for the fans, I suppose, and stuff. So there were, I think AJ played, I think, the entire game. I don't know that he came out. Um, and he looked, he looked fine. He just took lots and lots and lots of plays off where, you know, he never came back across full court or half court. I think the biggest, so, the biggest yeah. thing I'm curious, and I don't worry about this with Tyson or with Jaden cause they're, they're doing have problems, but, um, how did, how did AJ look from a conditioning standpoint? I mean, did he look in shape? Did he look, oh, okay. Yeah, that's well, sure. there you go. That's really, yeah, he looked honestly, great. that's the biggest thing I take away from these games is that how yeah. do they look physically? I think Tyson looked exactly the same, and he looked. Yeah, he's never. He last that year. guy's never going to have a problem with conditioning, and, and neither will Jay. No, you know. Yeah, and I think yeah, right, and I think the and the one thing with Walker too is I say he looked. I mean, his game looked identical to, to last season, so I think he'll be 
exactly what he was. I mean, from shooting standpoint yep. and from Billy getting lane and you know his quickness and those sorts. Yeah, of things. the so, thing the thing about Jaden too that I'm and I'm I'm guessing this isn't the environment to see it in. You're not, you know, the, the thing we've spent some time talking about, I think, I think is very likely to be um, the thing that people notice that's a little different this year is his usage. So I am from everything I've been told I am. And things that Jaden has said, by the way, in interviews, mm-hmm. the, the little bit of media he's done this summer, he's reiterated this. Um, I am expecting him to play with the ball in his hands more than we saw last year. I'm expecting it that 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 responsibility to be shared more between those three starters than we saw. Whereas last year, if you think about it, most of the time you had Jaden spotting up and it was either AJ or Tyson looking to make a play and then they'd kick out to Jaden and he was spotting up on the arc. And that's a that's a good thing for Michigan State strategically. That works. But they know that there's more that there in Jaden's game that's untapped, and he needs to. He wants to explore that for his for his own development too. So I do think you saw Michigan State moving toward a little more of that toward the end of the season with some good results. We saw it from Jaden in the tournament on a few on a few more occasions than we had up to that point. But I think it's going to be likely to be even more. And I imagine you didn't see a lot of sophisticated pick and roll stuff being run at, at Moneyball. No. <laughs> I was just going to say there, there were, there were picks occasionally. Yeah, but, <laughs> but not a whole lot of them. <laughs> and then what's the caliber of defense being played on those next to none. Right. So yeah. Yeah, it was, there wasn't a whole lot of resistance most of the time when you, when you, uh, and I, Jane had a number of times when he would dribble into lane a little bit and then pull up and, and shoot and looked fine. But you know, again, there's not really, much resistance there when he's doing those sorts the of other things. thing probably worth mentioning here is um carson cooper did an interview it might have even been with spartan mag the other day and he made a comment that got some people's attention about you know his own development which we'll, we'll talk about when we turn to him but uh, individually right. but he made a comment there's, there's a reason i'm bringing this up now he made a comment about um his own development. And then he had a line about and fitting into the new offense. And that got people's attention. Like, well, what the hell does that mean? <laughs> um, I right. think, and call this an educated guess. It, don't think that Tom Izzo has reinvented the wheel, but he's always tweaking every year. This is something that I always find funny about um, some so-called critics of the program when they talk about, you know, Izzo straight jacketing players and, oh, he runs the same so, stuff every year, you know, uh, set, yeah. set heavy, all that crap. No, the reality is it evolves year to year um, what he asks of, of his players. And that depends on a lot of things. It depends on the talent he's got. It depends on the experience level. And that's the big thing here. His, yeah, right. Historically. If you look at the way Michigan State operated, say Cassius Winston's junior and senior years, or when Denzel Valentine was a senior, or even even in some ways his junior year when Travis Trice was a senior, since you were talking about him. Um, Mm -hmm. And this has happened with other iterations of Michigan State as well. Generally speaking, when his decision makers are experienced and they've earned more trust, 
the sets decrease and they move toward more of a situation where the, the decisions are being put in the hands of the players. So you can call that read, react, you know, it's, it's that type of thing. It, it tends to be more free flowing, less set dependent. And I suspect that's what Carson Cooper was getting at. And I think we're going to see that because all three of those guys we just mentioned, you know, you're talking about a fourth year senior, a fifth year senior, and a guy in his third year in Jane. Well, that's a hell of a lot of experience. And so history, if history is your guide, expect more read react. It will look more like it did when Cassius was a veteran or when Denzel was a veteran, because that's where these guys are in their progression. Yeah, I know. I, I think it's a good point. And I, and that's, and anyways, watch, watch Izzo over the years. You've seen that years where it's more set to, set heavy and ones that it's not and it's not and it's always like you said it's dependent on the point guard and the experience there in that level and and there there are some years where you're like boy this is really kind of a painful half court offense to get have to get into their set go right? back and, you and know that's just because <laughs> 2020 20, and 2021 right as examples right and then last year last year was the year i think you you saw through the course of the season the trust being earned A.J. Hogard mm-hmm. becoming yep. much more trustworthy. Tyson Walker making that second-year adjustment to the Big Ten level and becoming a very trustworthy player. You know, that's where they're at now. They've gone through that that those steps. I think it's underrated, too, when you look at that as far that aspect of the offense with Izzo. And just to show you, I guess, how impressive a coach he is that he can adapt and not just run the same thing every year that he is de- that he can adjust it to be successful still considered with the various levels of experience. And um, so anyway, I- it, it's an instant tell when you see somebody talking about, Oh, is stubborn? He doesn't change his ways. Um, he runs the same sets every year, but it's an instant tell. If you ever see anybody talking that way, they don't know what the hell they're talking about. They're, they're <laughs> clueless. Um, he has tweaked what they do every single year he's been at Michigan State. They will do some things differently. You will see new plays even within the sets that they run. You'll see new stuff every year. You see this, as I say, this ever-evolving orientation toward how they approach offense depending upon what he has. You know, it's a constantly shifting, changing, tweaked thing. Yeah, there are principles in mind. There are consistent things that they do from year to year, but the totality of it always changes. And if you're a longtime fan, you should, I think you, you may not think about it, but those are definitely things you should you should notice uh, through the years. Uh, before we go and talk onto the uh, other players, I think a little more interesting to talk about the ones here on the development. I just want to remind everyone to check out Nudge Printing. And I was especially reminded when I was there, I was wearing the, uh, my shirt and I was walking along the track and I'm like, Hey, there's a guy wearing our shirt. <laughs> and so a brief little shout out to Keith as we met up, I posted the picture on Instagram too. Uh, big fan of the show. He's had his nudge printing t-shirt on logo shirt. Uh, and I guess his son listens a lot too. So hello to you too. Uh, thanks so much for coming out and saying hi. I appreciate it. It was kind of fun seeing someone looking like me sort of out there. Um, but if you want to get your own logo shirt, you can head on over to our website at tffinots.com slash merchandise. And there you can get the either logo t-shirt 
so you have it ready for either basketball season or maybe tailgate season, which is football season's only just right around the corner, just a few weeks from now. I think, I think the fall practice starts in a week or so as of this recording. Uh, and so we'll see what's going go on with the football team this year. Uh, but you can head over there, and if when you make your order, all the proceeds for the shirt or the hoodie go towards our show. And so it's a great way to support the show by and also having a chance to wear some really awesome uh, gear. I've got the hoodie and I've got the T-shirt, and they're super soft, comfortable, very wearable. I mean, it's super high quality, too. We've washed it a ton of times, and it looks just like it did the first time I wore it. And you will not regret the purchase that or anything else in Nudge Printing. They always use very high quality materials and just higher quality t-shirts. It's something that I never appreciated. I know you've been in lots of, done lots of work with t-shirts with various um, ventures. Yes. This is, <laughs> and this I is, never really paid much attention to so, it, right? You no, know, most people, all, all most people as far as they take it is, oh, I liked one that, I like one that feels softer or yep. I like one that's yeah. heavier, boxy construction, but it's, yeah, they, they do use, um, really high quality stuff and you it sounds like a cliche but it is god's honest truth you can literally feel the difference oh there's no yeah. question yeah I, <clears throat> wearing that t-shirt versus most of my t-shirts uh it's you know night and day it's like one is like comfortable and one you're just kind of wearing a t-shirt right like you've got clothing over you as opposed to something that actually feels yeah the, like, the other like thing too is that um you know, what I think they've, what I've noticed that I think they're really good at is they're continually, you know, slowly but steadily, what they're offering changes. Like there's always something, mm -hmm. there's always something yep. new and they're really, really good. And this is something that appeals to me. And once you've, you've been running around on God's green earth for a long enough time, you remember there are things that used to be you know, visuals, uh, logos, et cetera, that used to be used in the now distant past that you haven't seen for a while, <laughs> or maybe ever. It might have even predated when you were on this earth. And I think they do a really good job at um, bringing some of those back. And, and so you're getting, you have a lot of unique looking products on offer there, I think is what I'm trying to get at. These aren't and no knock on like student bookstore or any of the places around campus that the international center you know, that, uh, that offer MSU uh, apparel, because that stuff's great too. But what Nudge does is definitely strikes me as very unique. So if you're looking for something yeah. that not everybody at your tailgate has, it's a good place to go. Free shipping for all that stuff too. So you get 20% off if you mention Final Four, just type it in on the comment, uh, the for the gift code at checkout. Uh, you can't miss, again, check out Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com. All kinds of things there, not only Michigan State, but other schools as well in the state of Michigan outside of the University of Michigan. So check out their stuff. You won't regret it. Uh, There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed, and that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great 
talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash blue wire sports offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at indeed.com slash blue wire sports. That's indeed.com slash blue wire sports and support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire sports terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need indeed. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. So let's talk about the, the the player who stood out the most to me. And this is, I think it was in the second game, and now it's been a few days, so I'm trying to remember. But it was Trey Holloman. Uh, he yeah. has, I think, you know, f- physically he looked about the same. I don't think he didn't look a whole lot different to me. But he played with, and I think, you know, when I talked about this last year, I thought he, I think, remember telling you that I thought his shot looked pretty good. And yep. that was one of the questions coming into the last year. What, you know, could this guy shoot? Because there are a lot of questions about it. And his, his shot looked really good. He was, I mean, he shot well over 50% from three. I mean, he was a lot of confidence. He was able to get in the lane and, and do pull up uh, jumpers. He made, I mean, he, he had to have shot like 60 or 70% in the game in general. Uh, and that was including long range. And most of it were three point attempts. And so he looked really good, really confident, very comfortable with the ball in his hand. And I, you know, I don't know the money ball. I think it goes like this where every once in a while a guy decides he wants to just get the ball a bunch and score. And I think this was a game that Trey wanted to score right. a bunch. Uh, but he looked really good. And um, I, and I think we it's very easy for us to forget about him. Uh, yep. I don't, but it, my son is, still thinks he's always calls him the GOAT. I think partly as a joke, but partly because he really liked the his defensive intensity he brought to last season. And I think, you know, Trey recognized, which freshmen don't often recognize maybe at Michigan State as much well as they should early on, that the way to get on the floor, play defense, go after the ball, don't make mistakes in offense, you know, just play your role as far as a point guard, distribute the ball. Don't worry about scoring, that that'll come at some point. But to, to get minutes and to hold on to them as a freshman is to just, you know, play mis- generally mistake-free, play hard defense, and go 100 miles an hour the whole time you're out on the floor. And that's what he did. And so I think people said, well, that's, you know, he's doing that because he can't score. And I, you know, I think, his high school career probably suggests otherwise. And certainly Moneyball, yes, it's Moneyball. There's no defense. I get it. But uh, I think he's going – I think people just forgetting him and just saying, well, Jeremy Fears is going to be playing more minutes than him are wrong. I also think that there's probably a, a decent chance that he's going to be playing with A.J. Hogard. I don't think that would be impossible to imagine, that he'd be sort of the off-guard, um, off-ball guard as well uh, on their offense. I mean, I don't know. Well – uh, we'll speak to that last bit first. Graham Couch did an interview with him, I think, after the game that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he talked about exactly that, that he's been in practice playing a lot with Jeremy Fears together. And I think that would also go along with A.J. Hogarth. I absolutely think Trey Holloman is going to play off the ball a lot. Um, to me, the obvious thing, we know who the three starters are on the perimeter. And to me, Trey Holloman and Jeremy fears 
are the two clear-cut guys who are going to have significant roles off the bench at those spots. Now, whether they expand that to a third guy and how they do that, does that mean Malik Hall is still playing some wing? That's a possibility. Does it mean Garrett Norman is forcing his way firmly into the rotation as a freshman? That remains to be seen. And, and that's possible because those guys offer something a little bit different physically. You know, they offer right. size. And you are going to see teams that will have a six, 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 seven wing that Michigan State might find that, you know, that Hogard and Akins are both capable of guarding bigger players and they're decently sized themselves. But there's a difference even between those guys and, a, and say, a Terrence Shannon at Illinois is a good example of a guy who would, right. you know, if Jaden Akins or A.J. Hogard is guarding him, yeah, they can hang with him. But it's not necessarily ideal. And when they're off the floor, what do you do? So anyway, I'm getting a little bit off the subject. Bringing it back to Trey Holloman, I absolutely think he's firmly in this rotation this coming season. Um, I expect him to be better and to take a sophomore jump. And so you say, well, how can he be better? The primary way is exactly what you're talking about. It's an offensive assertiveness for himself. What he did last year was he defended very well early on. I thought, I thought when he got into Big Ten play, things hit a little bit of a low. And I, don't, I, I think some of that was probably the caliber of scouting that opponents saw some vulnerabilities they were able to exploit. So then it's up to Trey to adjust and react to that. And I think he did by the end of the year, he got back on the beam. So we know he can check. We also know that he's capable of handling the ball gets pressure. He's capable of initiating offense, but for, for us to see the full, the full uh, realm of what he's capable of doing, it's going to take his being more assertive offensively because when he does that, that will also open up more opportunities for him to be more dynamic as a playmaker because teams will have to guard him. Defenses have to adjust to what he's doing, and that usually will create more opportunities for others. So it will make Trey – I thought Trey did a very solid job of running offense last year, but he wasn't much of a dynamic creator. And that's just because when you're not a scoring threat, it's hard to be that, right? It's the difference between, say, Tub Tub Nairn and Cassius Winston. You know, that's, that's the difference. Cassius Winston was always a threat. So it opened up opportunities for other players and for him to find them. Um, when they, when the defense doesn't worry about you as a scorer, it's a lot harder to do that. But look, I'm, I'm firmly on the Trey Holloman bandwagon. I mean, I agree with you. I think he's shown even last year, his shot looks fine, you know? It didn't always yep. go, but it looks fine. And I don't, uh, you know, if, it, if it's me, I look at him and say, you, you got to keep shooting it. Because even if it's not going today, it's going to go tomorrow. There's no problem fundamentally with his, with his stroke, you know. Um, yep. I'm glad to hear that he had a game where he was hitting like that. I think these, for guys like, you know, again, we, we don't, take very seriously what happens in Moneyball, but sometimes with guys who are looking to make that kind of jump, the kind we're talking about with Trey, these kind of things help. 
he does it in front of a crowd, right? So he feels better about himself as a scorer. And that may translate into where we really need to see it, which is when the lights are really on in November and beyond. Um, but I, I definitely think, I, and the other thing too, you mentioned about him kind of vis-a-vis fears. I, that's not the way I think about it because I think there are minutes for both of those guys. I don't think it's a one or the other because I don't think their trade's going to be restricted to playing on the ball. Right. So I, yeah, I, I, I definitely think we can, we can look for and expect a better Trey Holloman and to see more of Trey Holloman. And I still think his future is very bright. Yeah. And the one thing I'd, I'd like to mention too, is, you know, last year, Pierre Brooks is sort of the talk of Moneyball a little bit, you know, the guy yeah. scoring a lot of points and things like that. I would say the kind of game that Trey, uh, that Pierre Brooks had last year was high, high volume of shots. And I don't, I was not super impressed with Pierre Brooks right. at Moneyball the one time I watched him. Right. I, mean, I, th- I mean, he scored quite a bit, but he took a ton of shots, yeah. a lot of ill-advised, and he's almost like running, kind of like still moving while he's shooting threes. And this is this looked like a – Trey's game looked more like a game that would translate into, you know, a regular offensive, you know, approach. He was, a, he was, a, a regular he was game. more efficient, yeah. Yeah, he's more efficient, but also he didn't – he wasn't – they weren't like just – he wasn't just chucking the ball. That's what, I mean, that's what actually, I mean. That he was actually taking yeah. good shots. Yeah. Not not just a volume score. Right. But he also had right. But he also had like hand in his face. Right. So I mean there was there was some it, now it wasn't super tight at defense because it was money ball. But anyway, I thought his game his offensive performance was more impressive than Pierre Brooks, even though uh, I don't know, point wise maybe right. the same. I didn't keep track. I know. I think Jim Comperoni's the game probably kept track of the actual point totals. Um, but anyway, so that was, that was my impression of Trey. Um, then, uh, you know, the other people, the other returning players, uh, Kohler has definitely trimmed down. He yeah. doesn't have that baby face anymore. And so I, I felt like he, Cooper and Sissoko, who all played, none of them, um, played great in the sense that like, that was super impressive of them. And I almost wonder if they'd all been like lifting, like you mentioned, lifting weights so. or doing a lot, have a huge workout before. Because none of them play with a lot of energy, <laughs> yeah. And uh, but Jackson did fine. You know, he's. I, I don't know. I guess there wasn't anything special about the way he played. Uh, Cooper's definitely filled out more in the chest. I mean, you can definitely see that. Uh, he still moves fine. He looked okay. Madi has definitely gotten bigger too by quite a bit. He's really looks a lot stronger. Look, I think with all three of those guys, that's it. That's what I take away from it right now more than anything else is yeah okay what physical development have you done and all three of them to me and i you were there so you saw them in the flesh i'm just reacting to what i've seen in clips but they all three to me to my eye it is noticeable jackson oh, yeah. kohler looks great jackson kohler seems to have gone through you know maybe what joey hauser went through where he wasn't in bad shape last year at least to the eye but he will tell you because i've heard him say it that he he thought he was prepared for what it's like to play in the Big Ten and to play at Michigan State from a conditioning standpoint. And he found out that he wasn't, not fully. Well, he knows now. It's interesting you mentioned that he, they weren't playing very hard. Keep in mind, the week before the July 4th break, Jackson Kohler 
played a game against Xavier Booker in Moneyball. And again, we don't take too much from this, but the numbers were so absurd. I feel compelled to mention them. I believe I have this right. He had 53 points and 24 rebounds in that game. Yeah, that's what I heard too. So he's had games, <laughs> but I think you're right. I think it's, you can't know, well, what did they do before they got to Moneyball? This is one of the reasons I was mentioning that earlier. Those guys probably all had, I'm going to assume, had a tough workout day, but I, I will I will mention something else that caught my attention uh, last night. I think it was Michigan State basketball, and if you don't, I can't imagine anybody listening to this isn't following the Michigan State basketball accounts on Twitter or Instagram. But if you're not, you should. Um, they had some clips from practice, like actual Michigan State practice, and there was one clip which caught my eye. There's another one I'll mention in a minute, which caught my eye even more, but Jeremy fears penetrating and he he's at the rim and has drawn the defense to him makes a great kind of wrap around kick out to Jackson Kohler on the three point line, who looking a lot like Joey Hauser just rose up, fired, hit it, and then had a big reaction. Um, I do think that it is possible that we will see Jackson Kohler in a little more of an expanded type role offensively, meaning looking, I mean, he shot mid range shots last year to good effect, mm -hmm. but I, yeah. he has three point shooting ability. There's no question about that. Um, so I think we may see a little bit more of that, but to me, the biggest takeaway is what you mentioned is that he looks and it is noticeable. He looks like he's in great shape and that's going to help everything that was an issue for him last year. It should mean that he's able to finish plays better offensively. Cause you remember, especially early on, he was really struggling to finish yeah. inside. Like he'd make a great move. We know he has great footwork. He has a great sense of balance and how to use his body to create space and angles, all that stuff. You need to be a good post player, but he just wouldn't finish plays. Well, that's a conditioning and a strength issue. I think that's going to be addressed. And I think being in better shape is hopefully going to make him much better defensively. And that's obviously where the strides. And he got better during the course of last season, I felt. But he needs to continue to get better. And I was going to say the other thing about him, it, you know, he got doubled right away last yeah. year, which is very weird for a, for a freshman. Like the book was out. I wonder if he's... Yeah, I mean, I wonder if it, that he will be, he's going to be prepared for that this season. Yep. And boy, with the, look at this team, there are shooters all over exactly. the place. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> there were last year, too. And but... I think Jackson has, this is not going to be a Nick Ward situation. Like, right. I, I think he will find people. Um, the, you know, the interesting thing, too, something else that's been mentioned this summer, and I don't know whether, I don't recall whether we've had a chance to talk about it, is. You know, sometimes the players are talking in these, especially around Moneyball, because that's when press gets easy access to them. Um, there's been some talk about Jackson maybe playing the four. I'm not sure I entirely buy it in this sense. I don't know that I believe that they're ready to have him guarding fours. Maybe, but offensively I could see it. So you could have a situation as we did see sometimes last year where you have some combination of Jackson and Carson out there together or Jackson and Mahdi and well, it'd be more Jackson and, and um, 
Carson actually, Cooper, where yeah, they can right, yeah. they can switch. So Carson, who's more mobile, more athletic, could play five on offense, but guard the four and vice versa with Jackson. I believe we could see that potentially, but it's one of the reasons why I brought up that play from practice that Michigan State basketball had the other day is it shows you they are, there is some level of seriousness. The context that was talked about was Jackson maybe giving them a little bit of the same type of thing they would get from Joey, obviously not to the same degree as a shooter, but being capable of doing some of that. And that play that I referenced was a Joey Hauser like play. So it'll be interesting to monitor that. Um, I still think, Carson Cooper, if you and, and it's no knock on Mahdi and Jackson. I think those guys are going to have their moments too. But the guy who long term, if I had a gun to my head, I had to put my money on one guy from those three that's going to end up the furthest down the line to being a really good player uh, by the time his Michigan State career is done. And I had to choose one. I would I personally would probably choose Carson Cooper. And we saw it late last year, you know, defensively, he'd started to earn a lot of trust. He has the physical tools and he was obviously picking stuff up uh, conceptually, mentally. And I think the offense is going to come and he's going to be better at both ends as he develops physically. Now you said it and I've noticed it clips I've seen from this summer he looks to have really filled out in his upper body. And that's where, and that's where it needed to difference. happen. Yeah, this is MSU's weight training program really coming to the forefront because he looks noticeably different to my eye. And that's a big part of it with him. I think the two things that needed to happen with Carson Cooper are pretty simple, at least to understand. They're not simple to execute. He had to fill out physically and develop, particularly the upper body. And then he just needs game reps. He just needs experience. Well, the, the second one is being taken care of as time goes on. And it looks like he's addressed the first one. So I'm very excited to see what he does this season. He also had an interview. Uh, I mentioned it with Spartan Mag uh, the other day. And he talked about feeling much more confident offensively. Now, when you saw him, did you see the sky hook come out? Because I've no, I don't think he's. I don't think he had. All one. right, because I've think read he's just, that he, just mainly dunks. I've read that he has unveiled that, and it's been a good shot for him. It man, sometimes with a big kid, especially at the college level, if you've got that one go-to post move, that can be enough. You know. Oh sure. Yeah. It, you don't. It's not the NBA. You don't have to throw five, six counters at people. If you've got one rely, especially something like a hook shot where if you execute it, it really is just about impossible to defend. You know, the only one stopping you on that kind of move is you. If you don't make it, because the defense isn't going to block the shot, you know? Um, Right. So it'll be interesting to watch how much offensive development, but, but again, I don't even think that stuff is all gravy. He also talked in the interview about, you know, being able to shoot out to 15 feet, Okay, I need to see that before I believe it. Not that I don't think he's capable of it, but I know how it goes for Michigan State with big guys. There's a 
there's a process before you have that green light. And I don't know that I <laughs> yeah, believe right. that Carson's fully gone through that process yet. But all that stuff's gravy. To me, I saw signs last year, late in the season especially, I think he could be an outstanding pick and roll guy because I think he sets good picks. And I think he's got decent hands and his athletic ability is absolutely going to make him a threat just setting a screen and then diving to the rim if you think about yes. you think about the way that Xavier Tillman played it's that and Xavier Tillman was an effective offensive player at Michigan State without ever really ever becoming a, a, even a really good low post player he didn't really ever have a great low post game he wasn't Michigan State wasn't having him back people down or just throwing it to him on the block and letting him go to work. That's not how Xavier operated, but he was a threat in pick and roll. And I think Carson Cooper can be that pretty soon. Like now, I think he could be capable oh, of it. Yeah. So I think, you know, Cooper definitely has a feel. And to, you're going to go and talk about Madi. Madi's a guy who does not have great instincts because I think he just doesn't have the experience right. playing the game like Carson does. Yeah. But I, I will say too, with him physically, I mean, to me, looking at him, I've had to do a double take sometimes where there's been clips from practice say, is that, is that Antonio Smith? Because, I mean, really, his – I mean, not that Mahdi was in bad shape. He was put together to begin with. But it looks to me – and, I mean, you saw it live, so you tell me if I'm right – that it's noticeable upper body development. Oh, yeah. There's no question. I mean, <laughs> he's – He's gotten bigger because I, I mean, I saw him, on, I went down on the court at the end of the Ohio State game, yeah. the, at the last game of the season. And then I was on the court with him on Tuesday, just saying hi or whatever. And he's, I mean, he's bigger. Yeah. <laughs> There's no question. He's changed a lot in just a few months. And, and you know, with Madi, look, I, I think that, you know, at this stage, I, I'm not, I'm not expecting, you know, I'm not expecting Madi to be stepping out to the three point line. You know, that's not going to happen. Nope. I think he, he does show that he has the elements of a solid low post game there. Um, it's just been inconsistent. So could he show more consistency there? Sure. Um, I think as Michigan State hopefully gets into transition more, I think his athleticism as a rim runner will show up more. He might be able to contribute a little more there. But, but for me, it's enough. You know, if we see a version that's basically similar to last season, just a little more consistent, I'd take that. I'd, and again, it's a, it's a combination. It's going to be a combination of these three guys. You know, it's not like we're going we're gonna to see any one of them, I think, just become a 30-minute-a-night guy. I think they're going to split no. those minutes. So, you know, we, we, I know my mind, I think more – about Jackson and Carson because you feel like that ceiling has not been established yet. There's still a lot of questions. Well, how good could they be? You know, with, with both of them, there are reasons to think, well, they could be a lot better than what we've already seen potentially with body. It feels like, and I don't think this is fair to him because I think he's got unrealized potential as well, but you're just your natural inclination because we've seen him for longer is, okay, well, we kind of know what he is. But even if that's the case, that's enough that he's going to play a role. He's going to be part of this in a significant way. And I'm, I'm good with that because I think there are things he brings, 
especially defensively, especially as a rebounder that Michigan State absolutely needs. Yeah, no question. I think those are all good points. And I I like the fact that when he try when he finishes even if he gets fouled, he's pretty reliable yep. in the line. He too, got a lot is, better you know, there. That's last the one year. shot. Yep. yep. Huge deal I think for a big kid. Absolutely huge. For sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, before we go on, I just wanted to remind everyone to, you know, if you, if you feel life's in the gutter, maybe you need to talk to the brothers at Just Two Gutters. Kurt and his team out in West Michigan and Greg and his team on southeast side of the state will take care of your gutter work, which is, of course, as you have these monsoons that happen, like we had a few days ago, uh, you need to make sure you have good gutter work and you have to have the right people do the job. People who put the leaf guards on to make sure you don't have debris that grows in, gets in there so that you have a gutter like I did where I had actually a tree growing in my gutter. Uh, you know, I had gutters that were three stories up uh, off my walk-in, walk-out ba- uh, basement. And so there's no way I was getting a ladder. I've seen taking care of too many people who fall off ladders. So I just <laughs> like to leave that to the professionals. So make sure you contact Kurt and his team. For, uh, the Brothers Adjust Two Gutters over on the west side of the state. At, um, you can find the links to how to contact him below. You get 10% off your job if you mention Final Four. He said he's had some of our listeners who have come on and had some great work. And so we appreciate you guys supporting us by supporting the sponsors of our show that make the show uh, what it is. And you're getting super high-quality service. I can speak to you personally. You won't regret it. So if you have any sort of question with the gutters, contact the brothers at Just Your Gutters. Uh, so let's talk about the freshmen who are, who are playing. So I'll begin with Jeremy Fears. I think everyone's talked about how he looks really good. Uh, he moves well. He's very athletic. He has no trouble getting up to the rim. He shoots well. I, th- I watched just the first half of his game because then I took off because um, it was a 20 point game at halftime and it was later in the day and my son's like, let's just get out of here. <laughs> so, and, it, and it's not, and Moneyball is not very interesting if it, if you don't people play defense and such. So we, I watched him just the first half. He was, like I said, gets up to the rim fine, shoots well. He seemed frustrated at times just not getting the ball, but I think that's just a money ball thing. And, you know, everyone's what got is trying to do their thing, you know, wherever they're from. So, uh, but very, a, Talented kid, he's going to definitely, he's definitely going to see the court. There's no question. I mean, not there's much question anyway for the McDonald's All-American with his skill set and what we've seen from Clips and he's played at Team USA, but he's good and he's going to get get his time and he's got, he's everything I think we, we'd hoped and I always like to remind my friend who's an Illinois fan that they passed on him. Well, that's <laughs> what they claim. Yeah. Um, yeah, that one. And meanwhile, you're, and I've been, as, as Eric knows, <laughs> I've been working on previews for next year. And, yeah, that, that's one that Illinois, I think, this season is going to live to regret um, because, boy, are they in trouble at the point guard. Woo, it's are funny, they it's guard trouble. you. It's guard you. Right? Guard you, yeah. No guards on campus. Um, <laughs> he would be... He would have walked. I mean, he would have been the starter and oh, probably starter. probably a high 20s, maybe even 30-minute-a-night guy on that team. Um, if that's true, that that's how it went, that Illinois kind of made a decision they didn't think he could shoot well enough, that might go down as one of the all-time recruiting blunders. Um, but, yeah, I think, look, the, the consensus of people I've talked to, both and, and this is both people like Jim Comperoni that have mentioned this in their writing. And then, you know, some other people I know who know this stuff, uh, 
Jeremy Fears right now is pretty clearly the most prepared of the freshmen to make an immediate serious impact. You know, it, I honestly think if if we were in a different situation and Michigan State were Illinois, for example, and they had nobody returning at that spot, I would feel pretty good about handing the keys to Jeremy Fierce for this season. Now he'd have he would have freshman um, freshman adjustments and a learning curve, the same as any freshman does, and we've seen it at Michigan State. You know, Cassius Winston as a freshman was a good player. And you could see vast potential, but he wasn't the championship level guy he became. You know, there is a curve there, but the ideal situation for Jeremy and for Michigan State is he doesn't have to do that. They're going to ask him to play a very particular role, which is to be that relief pitcher. And I think he's extremely well positioned to give Michigan. I I think this if you're going to tell me that there's a better, two-man point guard combination in college basketball than A.J. Hogard and Jeremy Fears. I need to see it because I don't believe there is. You can argue yeah. that there may be better point guards than A.J. Hogard nationally. There probably are a handful that you might, you might be inclined to take over him, but not many. But there isn't anybody that combines that level of player with a Jeremy Fears as a reserve. And I just, I think the sky's the limit for him as the totality of what he is. You know, he's going to come in. He's going to be unlike Trey Holloman. I will be surprised if Jeremy Fears has any hesitancy in looking for his own offense. He just strikes me as a kid with the kind of confidence to not have that happen. And so that should make him dynamic because he's going to force the issue and force defenses to deal with him. And then at the other end, everything I've seen from him up to this point suggests that he will be ready to be an impact guy defensively as well. That's the great thing. If you look at, at him and Trey Holloman coming off the bench, Michigan State should lose next to nothing defensively. And you're talking about two guys who handle and pass the ball at a high level. The only thing you'd say you're going to see a downgrade in perhaps is the shooting, but that remains to be seen as well. I don't, you know, Jeremy fears one of the knocks on him is a shooter. You mentioned Illinois. Supposedly the story was the reason they, they didn't take his commitment is they had questions about him as a shooter. I've seen Jeremy fears play a lot the last two years. I'm not going to say he's Sean Resford, but he could shoot. He's not, he's way ahead to me of where somebody like AJ Hogarth was as a freshman. Oh yeah. You know? So yeah, he's not going to, he's not going to threaten Tyson Walker as the best shooter among the guards or, or Jay Nakins. But I look at Jeremy fears and I'm going to kind of be surprised if he's not at least a low thirties guy from three. I mean, I think he's got that in him now with the potential to get better. So yeah, high, high expectations for him. But again, the great thing is they're not going to be in a position to have to put too much on his plate. Uh, so like I said, Xavier Booker wasn't there, so I can't comment on how he looks and, and, and plays. And we'll talk about him later when we go through our preview, uh, when we have a little bit you know, more. Yeah, I think plays. generally, you know, just a, a quick note from other observations that I've seen 
um, and just what I've heard about him at practice, you know, it's kind of what we expected. There's a real learning yeah. curve going on with Xavier Booker. I mentioned that Jackson Kohler just took him to gave him the business at a game of money ball for whatever that means. But the word was they were actually competing against each other, which makes sense in that game. So mm-hmm. unlike some of these other money ball scenarios, they were actually supposedly playing hard. I think defensively is where the adjustment's going to have to happen. Defensively and just in general with Xavier, learning and understanding what it means to play hard at a Tom Izzo standard, not at the standard you thought. I've, I've seen interviews this yes. offseason <laughs> with Jaron Jackson where he talks about that. He's talked a lot this offseason about Michigan State. I've seen him in a couple different scenarios where – where that's come up. And one of the things he talked about was having to learn what that meant. And he thought he was playing hard and he discovered he had no idea. So with Xavier, that that's, but, but, you know, everybody talks about the skill set and, and combined with his size and, and not just even the skill set, but also athletically, the way he moves in a body that big is different. And so I'm still convinced we're going to see Xavier Booker make an impact on this team. It's just a question of how much and how quickly. Yeah. Well, I mean, Michigan is very fortunate. Malik Hall's there. So, because yep. I think, you know, initially we thought, well, they have to find someone to hold him yep. accountable. And now, he's going to play less yeah. minutes. Now you, have, now you have someone who's going to force him. He's going to have to work hard to get and minutes. I, and right? I want and so this is going to be great for the situation. You brought it up. I was going to bring it up at the end, but you brought it up, so I'm bringing it up now. I mentioned that those clips of Michigan state posted yesterday. Um, the Jackson, the Jeremy fears, Jackson Kohler play was one thing that caught my eye, but the thing I was happiest about is in those clips, you see Malik Hall scrimmaging. Oh, good. So yeah. that is a really great sign that he is back on the floor practicing and we're still in July. So he's still going to have, assuming all goes well, there's still plenty of time. I mean, geez, he's got, what, six weeks until school starts? And then, you know, time from there, another month and change between then and when practice starts. Lots of time for Malik to get back and feeling comfortable. So that was really encouraging to see. Uh, so then let's talk about Garrick Norman. Uh, you know, I think the my impression with him is uh, he is small in the sense that he's thin he needs to fill out you know he kind of he kind of looks to me like a little bit like uh like Carson Cooper looked last year just kind of like a, a kind of a skinnier guy but he is a really good shooter I was impressed yep. now it's money ball <laughs> so that's always the caveat but he was defended sometimes and and he looked very smooth and he looked good I had you know and he can get up and he dunked once or twice but he was uh, he's playing with cone car so he wasn't expected to do, the, to do much of the dunking right. in the game. But he definitely hit a lot of threes and, and looked good doing it. I was really impressed with this shooting ability. And so I, I you know, the, this is the, uh, the, what is it, embarrassment riches or something for Michigan State. It's going to be a guy as talented as him. Most years you'd see him playing a decent amount, some minutes, right? Yep. And I, okay, it's so. going to be battle. I mean, right? I, but I would, and the one the other thing I'd say about him, if all the players... I watched so the was seven players. He, or whatever, nine. He was playing harder than anyone else. Uh, he he was playing like it. Act the game actually meant something, and so uh, yeah. 
you know, he wasn't taking plays off and stuff. And I don't know if that's just that day, you know, that day, or if that's just, it struck me when we talked to him that that's sort of his personality. But, I think so. You know, I don't know, but I think so. I mean, I think we got that when we interviewed him and, um, I, yeah, you mentioned embarrassment of riches. There are a lot of years where someone like Garrett Norman, you know, hell last season, put him on, put him <laughs> yeah. on last season's team. Would, would Garrett Norman have played a regular rotation role? Or would he have had every chance to earn it? Especially when, you know, Pierre Brooks had the conditioning problems he had. Absolutely. He would have. He's just one year late. And I still think it's not decided as to whether he'll, I think there's a chance and I mentioned why, you know, the things that Garrett, Garrett Norman has two things that are really working for him. One is you mentioned he's a capable shooter. And I don't think Michigan state is likely to have any shooting problems, but you could see a situation where maybe the way the rotation's working they feel like they're not getting enough of that there in certain spots with the way the rotation, if you follow me, um, yeah. you know, just the, the, the pattern might be something that would lead you to, uh, to think, well, we need a little bit more shooting in these minutes. So that would be one thing that maybe Garrett could force his way up. But the other thing is his size that, you know, whatever he's six, five, six, six, he has more size than the guys who we've already, the five guys we already kind of know are going to play. So depending upon certain matchups with given opponents, that might be something that becomes a niche for him because of his physical tools, you know, because of his size. Um, I'm excited about him though. I think that uh, you look at his, and I don't know whether you got much of a chance to see it, whether he, he handled the ball much, but he's a good ball handler. He's a good passer. He's a very good athlete, as you kind of alluded to. It gets overshadowed by somebody else in that class, but <laughs> as almost anybody would be. But Garrett Norman's a good athlete, um, and he's got a skill set. He can shoot. He's got ball skills. So there's a lot to like. I think with him, the biggest two questions are going to be, one, just how many minutes are truly there given how MSU's other guys are playing and then how ready is he to compete defensively? That's what, you know, Moneyball's not going to tell you that you can't really know until we're in it and we start seeing it and they've gone through practices and Izzo will evaluate that, how ready he thinks he is. But to me, that's, that's the other thing that has got to be proven with Garrett. But again, very bright future, a lot of reason for optimism around him. I'm actually glad you mentioned that. I'd forgotten to, to point that out, that he was the play the point probably 30 or 40% of that there game you go. where he was bringing the ball up yeah. the court and very skilled with the ball. I mean, he was you know, going around the back to get around defenders sometimes when people do the you know poke steals or whatever, and he, he had no trouble with that. The easiest thing in the world to say for a million reasons, but it happens to be true in his case, there's so much Matt McQuaid. And if you remember... Matt McQuaid, his freshman year, actually played, and at different points throughout the rest of his career, actually played some backup point guard mm -hmm. for Michigan yep. State. Matt McQuaid was a good ball handler and a good passer, really good. He never had to fully unlock all that stuff because he happened to play 
with guys like Denzel Valentine and Cassius Winston. That's who his career overlapped with. So they never needed to really ask that much of them. But I think Gary Norman has the ability to do some of that. It's just going to be a question of how much do they ever need it. Well, and finally, we'll talk about Cone Carr, who is, you know, especially with Moneyball, is <laughs> still, still in Thunder. He, I think he was tired by the second half because the first half, it was a dunk yeah. show. I mean, he had, I don't know, seven or eight dunks maybe between the legs, around the back, yeah. you know, reverse, off the backboard. He was put on a show. There was one play that I, I those are, you know, there are times when you wish you had your phone out and you were actually recording because I wasn't quite sure that I, what, I wasn't entirely believing my eyes that what I saw, but he had one where it was a, there was a miss on a three point off the back iron. And I don't know where he caught that rod, but I swear he caught that ball. Like he high pointed like over the backboard, like, <laughs> as he, you know, and brought it down for two handed jam. I, I, I looked at my son, I'm like, did that just happen? He's like, I think so. I mean, it was, yeah. I don't know. It, you know, we're seeing up. So the guy is a freak athlete. Um, he's, Will he be able to do all the other things? I don't know. You know, what can he, you know, as far as defensively, you know, will he be in the right position? Can he, I mean, obviously he can block shots because he can certainly jump did, and get did there. Did you see him? But will did he you do, see him shoot much? Like from range? So that was the other thing. So that was the other thing. He, he shot a lot of threes, especially in the second half. Yeah. And they were pretty terrible. I mean, he had, I think, I say that I think he hit one with kind of like a step back three to tie the, to tie the game at the very end. Uh-huh. Um, so I don't think his shot looks very good. Now, the caveat, of course, being, you know, maybe he had a full practice. Yeah. He'd been dunking all the first half and you know, his legs get tired. I, you know, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say in the, the contrast between him and Gehrig, Norm, you know, at the, yeah. was pretty stark. Gehrig looked like a shooter, was hitting the threes and looked like a shooter. And Carr didn't. Uh, he could do everything else, you know, on there. But so I don't know. That's... I wouldn't expect a ton from him shooting this year, but you know, things change and it may just been, it's one night. I mean, I don't know. I'll say this, you know, I saw him play on television a couple times last winter. And the one game I'm thinking of in particular, I saw him go two for three on threes mm-hmm. and they were actually in the flow of play. They weren't just dribble the ball down and jack it up. Um, you know, and it was good results. Now, it occurs to me, it is possible that when you're talking about a guy at his stage and where we are in the season, and I'm not trying to give him an out, I'm just saying Michigan State, especially with guys who are younger in their career, and if they're not coming in as pure shooters already, like, you know, you probably don't have to do very much with Garrett Norman, for example. You know, mechanically, he's going to be pretty sound. Um, It's possible that they're working on stuff with Cohen and that they're trying to reconstruct his shot mechanics a little bit because they will do that with guys. So I don't, that's why I just, I hesitate to take too much from a bad performance because I have to tell you what I saw last winter didn't look bad. I've been led to believe it was a problem. And I watched that game and I thought, well, that's okay. That's a shot mechanically. He should be able to get that off in the Big Ten. It's not too slow. It's not coming. He's not shooting from his waist. You know, any of the things that you see as problems sometimes. Um, and the results were good too. But I believe you that he struggled. 
Um, and it could be that he was just feeling the effects of whatever happened earlier that day. That could be a problem too. Or it could be that he really is struggling shooting the ball. All those are possible. I just don't take too much from it yet. Um, again, to me, the whole thing, though, with him and his role is going to turn on what he does defensively. You know? And, and he's another guy to put into that perimeter picture, too, because, you know, he, again, that's another option. I mean, at least physically, if, if, um, if Cohen Carr is, is up to speed in terms of his defensive responsibility and you're playing in Illinois, well, he's a great matchup physically for somebody like Terrence Shannon. You know, I mean, that's that's the kind of body you want to have available. So keep him in mind there, too. And he could also play some four. Um, we'll just have to see how it evolves. But um, the defensive end is where it's all going to turn, because if he can guard people, he's going to play. Regardless of the shooting, because he just gives them that that extra gear athletically, as you were mentioning, as everybody realizes by now that, you know, I, I, this might sound hyperbolic, but right now, the guys I'm aware of that are in college basketball, I can't think of an obviously better athlete from a jump standpoint than Cohen Carr. I mean, he's that. So he gives you that element. You know, I talk sometimes about, especially the NCAA tournament games, you need guys that are able to make those 95th or even 99th percentile plays where just a guy on your team can go out and do something physically or from a skill perspective that nobody else on that court is capable of doing at a big moment. You know, I, I, examples would be like, I can think of big rebounds in the 2015 elite eight game against Louisville where BJ Dawson just went up and got rebounds that nobody else physically was going to be able to get. He high pointed the yep. ball just higher than everybody else on that court. You know, that's an example. Well, Cohen Carr is a guy who can make certain kinds of 99th percentile plays physically. That is nobody else. As you said, it looked, it looked to you like he was above the backboard. You know, um, he might've been with his, with his hands extended up like that. Um, I've seen clips where it looks to me like his head's getting pretty close to the top of the square. And that's about as high as you're ever going to see any human being get. You know, where their head, he did, yep. forget the rim, at the top of the square. <laughs> you know? He, he did that once in the game. Yeah, he was that yeah. high. He got up that high. And I, yeah, because my son turned me and said, whoa, yeah. I can't believe. It's striking. No, it's yeah, striking. At, but again, the whole deal is going to be can Cohen guard? And I've been optimistic on that front because all the physical tools are there for him to be a very, very high level defender, but that's not the entirety of it. So we've got to see where he's at. And then that's going to tell the story. Yep. I think, I think the things with Cohen this season are, you know, there's no expectation that he has to shoot. There's, there's shooters all over the floor. Right. You don't need right. him to shoot. Right. You need him to rebound and you need him to defend. Right. Like you said, and then the great thing about this team is it's so deep that if he doesn't defend, he's not going to play. Right. And so he's going to be forced to 
do it. And so, you know, some guys can kind of get away with sort of dogging it at one end of the court. He's not going to have that option because he's just not going to see the floor. Because there's, I mean, there's so, everybody's capable of playing and contributing in so many different ways in this team that you can't, you can't not do the, the basics that Tom is a requires for his you got, players. You look at it right now, you've got 12 scholarship players, and there is a case for every single one of them being in the exactly. rotation. Tom Izzo likes big playing groups. I don't think he's going to play 12 guys regularly. So somebody is going to be out of the mix. Who, who is that? And, and how does that function? Or is it, is it inconsistent? Is it not always the same guy that's out of the rotation? You know, a um, lot of possibilities there, but we'll, we'll see. And a lot of it with the young guys is going to come down to how quickly do they pick it up on the defensive end? I think that's true for all three of, for everybody in that class, except fears, because I just think fears it's a given that he'll, he'll do that. But the other three guys, it's tell me how they defend. I can then start to tell you how many minutes they'll probably play. Yeah. And I'd say if you, if you have an assumption about what minutes are going to be from freshmen this year, Outside of fears, because I think fears, you're going to get probably double digit. I think. Oh yeah, I'd say I'd say with but, Jeremy, I'm expecting, you know, mid teens, somewhere in there, 15, sure. 16 minutes a game, something like that. But I think if you have any sort of thoughts that you know, you know what's going to happen with the other three, I, I just don't think there's any way you to can. Know at this point. You can't. You can't. Exactly. I think right. it's only it's just a it's just a guess, and so I think and, you know, and, and a hunch, and it's going to change probably. That's throughout what the year I was going to well. say. And where it is in November is not where it's going to be in March with all those guys. Because, again, we, we've seen that. You saw it last year at Michigan State. Look at where Carson Cooper was in November and then go to him playing meaningful minutes and contributing in an NCAA tournament game against USC. Well, how did that happen? Well, it happened because he progressed throughout the year. And with all three of those guys we're talking about, the thing that gives them a real chance to do that is ideally if you have athletic gifts of some sort, that gives you a real chance because then it's just about the mental part of it catching up. And that absolutely can happen over the course of a few months, you know, you're not, you're not saying, well, this guy needs to, he's just too weak. He just can't compete physically, you know, or, and again, I, I cite Carson Cooper as an example. He had advantage in that way because athletically he always had the tools to do it. It was just going to be how quickly did he get things conceptually, the mental side of it down. And once that started to happen, boom, you know, his body was there to be able to take advantage of it. Absolutely. Well, it'll be, it'll be fun. We'll go through the previews of the other Big Ten teams. We've got a couple more weeks of off-season stuff before before we get into the Big Ten previews and then into the season. It's actually uh, it's not that far away now. As summer, uh, I hate to say it's winding down, but we're getting, getting late in July now, and you know it's coming. <laughs> and so uh, I just want to thank you for listening to the show. Make sure you continue sharing with your friends. If you're a new listener, you know, I, uh, I was at Moneyball, I was leafleting all the cars. I say all the cars. I didn't bring nearly enough. I, it's, I haven't done that in ages where, you know, put in the windshield wipers. I also was real worried that I was going to set off car alarms, and I didn't set off a single one. So I wasn't sure <laughs> I that was going to happen. About that. I, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I was like, I thought, oh, this would be a great idea. And then I started doing about three or four cars. I'm like, I, 
I'm going to probably set off a car alarm. I didn't set off a single one. So maybe they're, they're not, uh, they don't respond to people grabbing the windshield wipers. And so if you're a new listener, thanks so much. Hopefully you enjoy the show. Hey, yeah. And, and you know what? Listening and subscribe. You're, I have a quick thought. If you're a new listener yeah. and you got to us through that, um, through that flyer and you enjoyed listening to this, shoot us an email or send us a, a, yeah. a you know, a comment on, on Twitter or something. Let us know because that, that would be that would be interesting to know if we're if we're reaching people that way. Yeah, we're, it's it's always a, a challenge to try and find ways of expanding and growing the show. A podcast like this, it's grown tremendously from uh, for the last year and a half. It's done really great, um, but we're always looking to try and reach more ears. And you know, all whatever you do to share the show obviously helps. But we want to just try and find ways to do that. And, you know, the traditional advertising for podcasts is tricky and trying to figure out how to do that. And, you know, our budget's obviously not a million dollars. And so we have to try and find ways, creative ways of, of getting things out and find and targeting our audience. And so anyway, yeah, if you have, if that you that's how you found us, that'd be great to know. And we'll have to, next time I'll have to make more copies because <laughs> <laughs> there are probably more cars in the parking lot than I thought. But I also found I could do it really quick. So anyway, that was the other thing. So, uh so again, make sure you visit our sponsors. You can go to support the show, either one-time payments via PayPal or Venmo, or to be a monthly subscriber through Patreon with various benefits. You can go to the final schedule.com slash support. You can also go uh, to our sponsors, Nudge Printing at nudgeprinting.com or the brothers at Just Your Gutters at brothersgutters.com. Their specific emails will be in the description below in your podcast player or on YouTube. But until next time, the final four is on the schedule. Go green. <laughs>